All right. Hey, everybody. Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. And real quick, shout out to Searsha the dog. Searsha, you're a good dog. And I'm not explaining that to any of you who are uh, who are not aware of why I'm doing that. So in tonight's episode, we're talking to Joshua Johnson of Tree Industries. He is now you guys have heard me talk about I picked up disc golf as a new sport for me and my son this year. I'm still learning it. I'm still getting to know the community, but I mentioned how much fun it would be to work on a disc golf game. And wouldn't you know, in one of the Facebook groups I'm in regarding disc golf, I ran into somebody who is working on, very far along, on a disc golf game that we can all look forward to playing. Some of you can use it to learn the sport because it's it's worth your time if you've never if you've never given it a shot. So we're going to talk to Joshua about how Ultimate Disc Golf is coming along. And I've got a million questions for him, and you're going to hear me just pelt him with all of them. He's a, a great sport. So sit back and enjoy this chat with Joshua. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was Rastan, so for evil... Okay, uh, Joshua, thanks for taking time to talk to me today. How's it going? It's going very well, Todd. I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, excited to be here and definitely, uh, you know... Excited to kind of go over what we've been doing as a company for, for a little while here at Tree. Cool. So I should explain, I ran into you on the St. Louis Disc Golf Facebook group. That's correct, yep. And uh, you, you've you been sort of uploading little updates here and there about your game in progress, which is Ultimate Disc Golf. Yeah, that's the, that's the game. Um, so Ultimate Disc Golf, we've, we've been developing it for... Uh, a little over three years, and and yeah, we're a part of a lot of local disc uh, disc golf clubs all over the country. The St. Louis one happens to be kind of my home club, uh, us being based in St. Louis. But uh, you know, the groups have been really great to us as kind of an indie studio trying to build a disc golf game by letting us kind of drop those little updates once in a while. So I, I think as long as we we try not to post the direct store links or or spam the you know, buy here, buy now. It's more just like video updates and stuff like that. And yeah, that's that's been going really well and, and helping the visibility of the game a lot. And given the relative vacuum there is for good disc golf video games, particularly on consoles and really PC too, to that extent, I'm surprised that anyone would be worried about anything other than how can I play this? Because my listenership is mostly game dev folks, but they've heard me talk about disc golf quite a bit because I'm just getting into the sport. My son and I picked it up in about March when the the lockdown started and, and things started getting kind of dicey. So it's been a lot of fun for us to pick up as a new thing. And I'm surprised there aren't more video games that, that let you play disc golf other than like what we've got disc golf Valley on mobile. I mean, what else do we even have right now? Right? Yeah. Well, I, I guess first it's cool to hear that you and your son are getting into the sport. Uh, you know, good luck in your, on your journey there. So thank you. Uh, myself, just to give a little background, I've been disc golfing for a little over 20 years. Wow. Uh, mostly casual. I did some leagues when I was younger, kind of here in my local area, but it's one that's kind of always stuck with, you know, uh, got started playing with some high school buddies back in the day. 
and uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, started a family, career, and all that, and it's just something I've always been able to go back to. Uh, it's really easy to pick back up and, and get out for a round. So uh, that's one thing I love about it. Have you gotten to play much recently? Yeah, yeah, I played a pretty good amount this season. I have uh, I have one buddy in particular. My, I I have a son and a daughter, and uh, my son is actually starting to get into it. Uh, my daughter, I'm still working on, but. Uh, my son is Gary, turned 15, getting out there to throw with him. So, you know, plenty, uh, between that and the game, I have a lot of good excuses to get out to the course. Yeah, my, my son is coming up on six, and he's already, he surprises me. I mean, like, it takes a while to get down down range, but uh, once we get close, <laughs> like, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch him sort of pick things up and get better at it. We've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, building this game, we definitely wanted to do our research. And one of my inspirations for actually starting this game was, you know, first of all, being a disc golfer. Um, also being a skateboarder for about 20 years, a big fan of the, the Tony Hawk yeah. uh, pro skater game. And, you know, I was just waiting and waiting and just never saw, you know, disc golf game that really hit all of those things that I saw in some of the other games like Tony Hawk bringing skateboarding a bit more mainstream wasn't because it was a perfect skateboarding simulator, sure. right? Uh, it's because it was a great game. And, and I had, did not see that for disc golf yet, even though, you know, it's growing in popularity by leaps and bounds. So I kind of took it upon myself uh, to kind of just build it as a side hobby, uh, to be honest. So uh, Tree is kind of more of a, a general emerging technology company who mm-hmm. I'm also the CTO for. And we, we started Tree about three years ago. And as part of that, um, I had to do a lot of research on building my skills on some things I wasn't that familiar with. One of the big ones was game technology. So it was a perfect fit to learn the game technology and also potentially build something that I would enjoy, even if it never got out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, fast forward a little bit. I had been working on it on the side for about two years. And showed it to our CEO here, Tree, Jill Johnson, who is also my wife. Okay. Uh, we kind of partner on the company. So I showed it to her, and she said, basically, you know, we need to get this out to the public. Yeah, I think we, we can make a run with this game. So that, that's kind of what we did. We, we set up kind of a public alpha, uh, free download, and then uh, got onto Steam Early Access. And we've been on Steam Early Access for about a year now uh, in, in public alpha. Nice. And, uh, that's that's been a really incredible experience overall as an indie developer. You bring up a good point. It's interesting how people approach the balance between simulating a sport and finding the fun, as they say. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how well people have gone in one direction or the other with uh, previous disc golf games. Like, I know there was a, a kind of popular one on, what, the PS2 or 3? I think it was the PS3. Uh, many of them use motion yeah. controls. Yep. They had one on the Wii as well. And uh, that's kind of a, kind of a gamble, right? I mean, and and they've both been the uh, PS3 and the Wii one were both part of like larger games, so neither one had a dedicated game. That's correct. Yep, uh, Sports Champions I know was was one of those. Yeah, um, and, and it was good for what it was in, in terms of creating a, a pretty fun experience. And in a couple of those games, I know you look on some of the disc golf groups, people still play some of those to this day because there hasn't been uh, a new option. Right. Yeah, I, I will tell you if, if you haven't heard yet, you know, just being a disc golf fan, you might want to check out uh, a couple of these. So th- there is a new one that's on that theme that's a uh, VR disc golf. Oh, 
I didn't know that. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's off the chains disc golf. It's it's relatively new, and uh, you know re- requires a VR headset, so it, it's kind of that kind of experience, which is really cool. I'm glad to see more popping up. Um, you know, being a disc golf fan. Yeah, for sure. This is one of those things where uh, listeners probably laughed when they first heard the topic of this because I've mentioned in several shows that I think it would be fun to work on a disc golf game. And I'm, I'm sure any new player would if they you know, were technical minded at all. Like, wouldn't it be fun to have your own thing? And of course, I'm not actually going out and doing it, which is why I think it's so cool that you're getting to do this. You know? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. What kind of technology are you using for the game? Is it like an Unreal game, something like that? That's a great question. So we built the game in Unreal Engine 4. Right now, it's Unreal Engine 4.24 that we're using. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that as an indie development company, that has been a great platform to use. I've, you know, kind of dabbled with Unity, Godot, and, and Unreal as we were kind of building up Tree. Uh, just working on a lot of different kind of concept projects. But when it came to, you know, the marketplace, I think for one, um, was was a huge huge asset for building up this game uh you know they have the free monthly marketplace assets on the unreal engine marketplace mm-hmm. and you know obviously to build a full game you don't want to just you know take some canned assets and you know stick them in your game but you know as, as a small studio that's also kind of learning the engine as as we go through this journey those marketplace assets really provided a lot of foundational material to, to build up what we needed for the game and, you know, some reverse engineering and mixing and matching integration. You, you come up with this completely unique thing. Um, it was really great to have all those assets available. Long story short. Yeah, totally. And, and I'm a unity guy myself. So, I mean, there's a certain parallel there. There's a skill set you have to build up about using assets that you didn't come up with, or basically you're just going to fall behind. I mean, is, is basically my mm-hmm. stance. We're not all blessed with a big team of developers. I think you do have to sort of run with what, what is available to you. I think successful indies are definitely doing more and more of that rather than, you know, I'm doing all this from scratch and I open Blender and I open 3DS Max and all this stuff. You got to kind of learn how to run with what you have. I 100% agree. Yeah. Couldn't agree more actually. Um, before we started tree, I have about 12 years experience being a small business owner of a website development company. Uh, So that's kind of where my background was. And to speak on what you just mentioned, what allowed me to be successful in that company was using things like WordPress and Joomla and and connecting with local businesses and and just building the websites based off of that. And it was kind of that uh, not reinventing that wheel. Yeah. Right. I, I think as developers, a lot of times it feels really great when you can build something up from scratch. But for at, at Tree, one of our, you know, big kind of core principles is efficiency. So you know, I, I might feel good that I built something, but you know, could I have gotten to the same place more efficiently by utilizing a lot of things that are out there? Um, for us, a big part of that is like utilizing open source and a lot of different kinds of stuff. Not the uh, disc golf game particularly, but sure. Uh, I think that that principle holds true. And you can tell me if this sounds right based on your experience here in St. Louis. Another interesting reason I wanted to talk to you, uh, having been in the software game around here before I went indie as well, I feel like we're lucky to have the IT market that we do in St. Louis, but it's so all over the place. We've got military contractors. We've got, uh, you know, 
Enterprise, Anheuser-Busch, all, all these different uh, different needs, basically. And I feel like that produces very versatile people because I've been in the web development game myself. I've done search engine optimization when Network Solutions had an office in town. I've done uh, just a wide variety of things. Like I can I can open an editor and do a website of my own in HTML and JavaScript, but I was able to do much better if I was able to learn Angular and do something someone else's way. So, I mean, don't, don't you feel like around here, we've got a lot of people who get ahead that way by just learning whatever anyone wants, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think if you look around, there's, you know, a lot of great talent in St. Louis and, and a lot of self-starters that are willing to think outside the box in order to acquire, you know, skill sets that are uh, diverse. And I think St. Louis has a pretty diverse economy as well. I, I know every city's had their struggles, and especially with the pandemic. But sure. uh, I think overall, you know, that uh, I guess the talent around here has ha- had to kind of meet that need, like you said, because it is such a diverse marketplace that you know, if you're going to be in IT, you, you do have to learn a lot of different skills. And um, if you can do that, I mean, you're, you're almost guaranteed you're going to be employed somewhere if you have those skills here, I think. For sure. Has has the pandemic sort of uh, been a struggle for you in terms of operating the way you would like to be doing things, or has it changed things, or not so much? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I, I think that's a good chance to speak on uh, Tree as a company in general. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we are still small, but when Jill and I, you know, came up with this idea to start an emerging technology company, you know, obviously that that was a lofty, ambitious, you know, idea. <laughs> and we really had to think about, you know, how can we build this step by step, you know, going back to my experience just building up the small business. So I, I guess focusing on things like privacy, open source, and, and kind of having some clear pillars of how we wanted to operate as a technology company, as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, we're just building technology. It's about how we're building the technology, which I think has made us different. Totally. So we're, we're talking uh, Unreal and Unity, uh, major engines like that. Something that I did notice when I toyed with the idea of like, wouldn't it be fun to just make a little disc golf prototype? And I quickly ran into, I'm used to the physics engines being fantastic and ready for anything that I can throw at them. With disc golf, I found out that wasn't necessarily true. Has that been a struggle for you also? Uh, that has been an interesting challenge. And you know, I, one that I would say is still an ongoing process, uh, two and a half years into development, though we have worked out most of the major kinks. So utilizing Unreal Engine, we looked at a couple of different ways to recreate the flight physics of a disk. Hmm. There's a couple of different options in engine. They have this new component, uh, which is basically a projectile movement component. You attach this component to your, you know, disk mesh, and it's going to calculate all the projectile movement, uh, which was really easy to control. Like if we wanted to control the curve, uh, you know, if we wanted to make the turnover for a tomahawk, it was really easy to do with that. But the problem was, is that it's not based on the physics engine of Unreal Engine. It's kind of like a custom movement. And so a lot of things we want to do for bouncing and skipping and, and playing differently on different types of um, terrain. So, you know, how much skip is there on grass as opposed to gravel, uh, compo- as opposed to mud. We couldn't use that projectile movement component. So 
we quickly figured out, okay, we're going to have to figure out how to use the actual physics actors to do that. And that was probably about two months of work there in the beginning to figure out how to utilize Unreal Engine built-in physics capabilities to control the flight. And uh, I won't go into all the nitty-gritty details, but uh, essentially at this point, we're using physics impulses mm-hmm. uh, around the disk combined with uh, some timelines is how we've approached it. Uh, so the main flight and the power of the disk is handled by a physics impulse. And then to what we did is we actually fake lift using physics impulses in the engine. So as the disc flies, there's an impulse underneath it, taking at a certain amount to kind of simulate that lift that the disc would get by throwing it with that spin. If I had to guess, if I had gotten further on the Unity side, I think the approach would be a little different. And I, I wasn't entirely sure you could do it well, but I'm pretty sure that Disc Golf Valley uses Unity because I recognize the terrain tools they use for the courses. And Disc Golf Valley is far from perfect, but it's very good. And it's it's more yeah. than good enough to play and sort of expect, you know, what's going to happen when you throw the disc. For uh, For listeners who are not at all familiar with any of this, Disc golf as a sport is you're throwing discs that look a little different from the standard Frisbee into a, a basket that has chains. You try to make it hit the chains and drop in the basket. And what where you would think of that is you would just throw it like a Frisbee and it would go straight. They actually curve because you're throwing so far and so hard that the rotation causes, you know, directional flight in one way or another. And you have to basically anticipate that. So that's why they have different discs. So basically the major game engines it's a little bit of a challenge because it's so specific in terms of the physics of, of the flight. Really, nobody's preparing an engine for that or, you know, middleware for that or whatever. It's, it's the furthest thing from anyone's mind. So it's just, it's, it's a fascinating programming uh, thought exercise as to how you would handle that. That's interesting to hear how you guys are sort of approaching that. And now I'm very interested to uh, see it in action and uh, sort of see how it feels. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I would say it's getting there. Yeah, we're getting close. <laughs> that's going to be more than enough for most people. I think, you know, that's incremental changes as you guys see it stress tested and everything you're, you're in alpha is alpha mm-hmm. over. Or are you still about one more month of alpha? If it's all goes well, uh, that's the plan. Nice. What's the, what's the overall roadmap look like? Or do you, do you know? Yeah, that's a great question. So we're, we're finishing up some of the core gameplay mechanics, the core gameplay loop. And our, our big goal for Alpha was to make sure that those flight physics we were just talking about mm-hmm. were 80 to 90% of the way there. One of the other things, as far as like we were talking about the fun factor, so making sure we had the custom character creator, uh, some other things like that. So the big goal for Beta is going to be the transition from kind of goal, uh, core gameplay mechanics, like the power meter, uh, different things like that, to things like multiplayer player progression, uh, being able to increase your staff and abilities, kind of really increasing the fun factor and the replay value of the game. Uh, and then, you know, cleaning up little things, maybe left over from Alpha, if there's a little bug here and there, but uh, mostly going to be adding those kind of features that are going to get us to that full release. And it looks from the website like you're sort of building in some of what you might expect from like a Tiger Woods type game where you've got sort of a, a player you can f- take through this experience and sort of build them up and have a little bit of a career. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. We, we definitely want to do a career mode. Uh, we started some of that underneath the hood and, and have tested it internally. 
I guess what we're trying to figure out right now is if we're going to kind of do like a full story mode where, you know, we're going to have the cinematic cutscenes where you're interacting with like local pros or things like that, or if it's really just going to be more an extension, we have basically what we call a quick round, which is basically you just hop in a, in a course and, and start throwing. And uh, we might go ahead and include some of the like leveling up and player abilities to, to the quick round as well. Nice. That's going to be a cool feature set for sure. And you, you basically get to do your own course design for this game. I mean, that's got to be fun. That has been a lot of fun. I, I would say that's probably been the funnest part overall, yeah. just being um, artistic minded myself. So, you know, like we talked about having a little bit of background in web design, I did some of the graphic designs for those. And uh, I have a back background in painting and freehand drawing, just going way back to like childhood days. Nice. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a satisfying experience to work on the course design. And I will say that uh, one of the courses in the game right now is actually modeled after my home course, White Birch Park here in St. Louis. Nice. Yeah, uh, I think it's Sunny Birch in the game and uh, White, White Birch here. Uh, it's like an 18-hole wooded course. And what I did is I, I built the whole course from memory. So, uh, it's not perfect, but I I think, uh, it's pretty close. We actually had one person on one of our early streams when I was playing that course actually was like, Hey, is this, this is white perch. Uh, so they were able to guess it. So I was like, Oh yeah, that felt pretty good. Let's take a break right here to talk about our sponsor app figures. App figures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now, app figures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, app figures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, app figures can tell you how big that market is and how much money it could make you. That is just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, App Figures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree. App Figures has made it affordable and simple, and they provide the tools that can guide you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try App Figures for free. And if you like it, use our special code, GDB 3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. That's, that's gotta be super satisfying because you know, nothing is as fun as mentally going through like here are the courses I know I've only played a few myself, but uh, it's, it's fun to think about like, what would I do differently? What would be in just the greatest course possible? What would frustrate people, you know? So that'll be another interesting thing to kind of see when the real world is not restraining you in any way what do you do when you want to create the ultimate course or you know even just just a fun course what do you you know what direction do you go well you know we we've done a lot of uh real world courses which i think you know it's great but one of the things we have planned going forward is maybe some more off the wall type courses so Mm -hmm. i'll kind of give you a little inside track on one that i'm currently designing actually started a uh like a volcano (laughs) island so, you know, it's the, you got the steam coming out of the volcano and you're kind of throwing around it. It's basically two volcanoes kind of chained together and you kind of go in this figure eight around the island. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about it. We could have people playing discs in places they would never normally get to do it. Something I saw on the website also was that 
the way I read this was that the gameplay is kind of very open in the sense that it doesn't just pick you up after your shot and drop you at the next spot, but like it lets you sort of explore a little more. Is that right? Yeah. I, I really appreciate you mentioning that. So you know, we were kind of talking about the other disc golf games and I think that extends to pretty much most other disc golf games as well. So they're going to be set up like you were talking about. You're basically getting dropped shot to shot. And when we started the concept for this game, uh, one of the big things for me personally, being a disc golfer, was getting out to enjoy nature yeah. as, as part of the sport. And, you know, I personally really like wooded courses uh, for that. But I think it, just in general, one of the things about disc golf is so there is kind of that attachment to uh, getting out to nature that's pretty closely connected to the sport. And for us, it was how do we bring that into this game? So, so how can we recreate that? experience or feeling of getting to do the sport while also kind of enjoying the scenery, but not kill the pace of the gameplay. So, you know, we, we took a lot of time to figure out how to approach that. And what we have right now is kind of a, what I'll call a hybrid system. So when you load into the game, we have a, or of course we have a full locomotion system. You can walk, run, crouch, jump, you know, all those different things to move your character around the course and explore. Mm -hmm. But with a simple button press, you can also teleport just kind of like some of those traditional golf games. Oh, I see. So if you're like, yeah, if you're like a, want to play those quick rounds or you like, you know, kind of speed runs every time you throw, you just, you know, uh, click on the gamepad or click on the keyboard and you're, you're going to that next throw. I think you're going to lose something important there, which is the possibility of completely losing your disc and never finding it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, for, especially for newer players, we didn't want that to be, their first experience with the game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but for some of this, some of us grizzly vets, I guess we're going to have kind of like the expert mode. Mm -hmm. And so in expert mode, uh, right now we have this disc finder. Basically it's like a little glowing, you know, orb around the disc when it stops. So you can find it, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to walk around or you can do the teleport when you're in expert mode. So you can't teleport. And then also that disc finder is disabled. So oh. there's like no glowing thing to find your disc. So it actually does kind of up the difficulty to find it. And if you're that person that wants to recreate that, it probably won't be me personally when I play, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it'll be there. Yeah. You are kind of going with that. And I like that. <laughs> um, or, you know, the complete opposite, you find a stranger's disc and then have to figure out what now. <laughs> well, that's one of the key things about having the open world and one of the, the ways that we want to tie in kind of more of a game like a Tony Hawk pro skater is we've already started testing it internally. And that's one of those goals I was talking about for beta uh, along with the player progression. One of those ways that you'll level up is doing these side missions around the course. So one of them might be uh, course maintenance. So that's a big thing, you know, the disc golf for, for your listeners who aren't aware, you know, a lot of disc golfers and local communities like to get involved with the course. They'll actively go out there and pick up trash or, or help clear branches. And so we're going to bring that into that game uh, that, you know, taking care of your parks, taking care of your, your courses, uh, that kind of social responsibility part of it. So you'll be able to interact with the NPC and then you collect like so much trash around the course and then that's going to give you a level up. So you actually have kind of a reason to walk around and explore and then kind of what you were talking about, you also be able to like maybe find a hidden disc here or there and either return it to get some experience or you get to keep it to, to throw. That is very cool. I like the idea of using this as an opportunity to kind of communicate, like, here is an aspect of this game, if you're not aware. 
And it sort of brings everybody in on this community where it's not, it's not completely just fun, but there's also just, just a tad of responsibility to it. Even, even if you're just a, a very casual player who almost never does it. And you know, the right thing for you to do is uh, if you see a can, uh, toss it, you know, pick it up and, and take it with you to the next, uh, next bend and make sure it's not on the ground when you leave. You know, uh, I really like that. I like that element. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Hopefully, um, we'll, we'll have it to where it won't be too forced. And, um, you know, I, I think what you were talking about right there, something we can pretty much all get behind. You know? Yeah. This, <laughs> you, you could also go the route of making people try to fish out their own discs from water, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we have the locomotion system, so we're, we're working on the ability to be able to swim. So uh, fishing out some of those discs might, might be an option, too. And I think for those players that are not, you know, primarily disc golfers, maybe they, somebody, they knew to disc golf, but, hey, this game's pretty cool, even if you're not a disc golfer, that being able to do something like that, I, I think will help bring those people into the game. And, and maybe they learn some more about the sport, too, while they're at it. Would you say you're targeting mostly disc golfers or just gamers in general? I mean, how do you balance that for a project like this? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question and uh, one that we're still actively trying to find the, the perfect balance for. What I will say is, is for alpha and I, maybe a little bit true for beta as well, I think that's where we're more targeting disc golfers per se yeah, as opposed to general gamers with the goal of, you know, make sure that this core community that, that we know there's going to be a market for the game for is enjoying it. Right. And then build from there. So, so how can we build that tent bigger from that kind of core community of disc golfers to kind of meet the demands of a more general gaming public and make it fun for them as well. Mm -hmm. And and that's, that's a moving target, something we're still working on. Yeah, totally. I'm sure that's an ongoing uh, initiative. And speaking of ongoing, once this comes out, what happens then? I mean, are we talking about online play or like ongoing, you know, online events, things like that? Yeah, yeah. So just like you would expect, I think, in a lot of uh, mainstream AAA games, things like daily challenges, weekly challenges, you know, so get so many birdies in a day, you're going you're gonna to get that kind of uh, extra challenge mission experience and points. Uh, we're going to have in-game currency. And one thing that I do want to explain about how we're approaching this because I think this is something for a lot of indie developers that I think they're probably thinking about as they're building games right now. And that's that, uh, that issue of microtransactions, Hmm. right? Um, You know, I think we've all seen a certain amount of comments and backlash. If you're, if you're kind of following those things about the way some games have approached microtransactions And, and I'm not here to bash any other company for how they do things, but, uh, what our approach is going to be, is we are going to have an in-game currency, but we're going to have it set up to where anything that's available in the game, you can get through achievement points to build up that currency. Mm-hmm. So it'll kind of, you know, if you're willing to play longer, you're not going to be forced on any type of microtransaction is essentially how we're going to work it. Nice. Um, yeah. And so we're going to have a store with like in-game apparel, new discs that you can purchase, and all that will be unlockable through doing those challenge missions, daily missions, and all that. But uh, we are going to have like an in-game store where if you want to purchase the in-game currency for real money and you want to support us that way, we're going to kind of have it uh, either or. Nice. I think that's a great balance, really, because people will, uh, you know, play this game 
a lot in a short period of time, I'm sure, and they'll be sort of hungry for that new content. And if they've got options as to how they want to go about that, I I think that's really a great approach these days. Um, I was just reading Sid Meier's memoir last night, and he was talking about when he went on from civilization to start doing like mobile games and trying different things. And what, what he said about this was everybody says they hate microtransactions, but the results from, you know, revenue and sales and everything, they really tell a very different story. I mean, like people like the option. Uh, they don't, nobody wants to be forced into it. That's where I think people get lost and studios become the bad guy, but everybody likes options. So that's not bad. Yeah, I would agree with that, you know, and that's not necessarily going to be the right thing for everybody, but I think their approach is, is going to work for what we're trying to do with, with our game. What's your uh, background as a gamer? I mean, what kind of stuff do you do outside the uh, the disc golf stuff? So I generally enjoy uh, first-person shooters. I've played a lot of those over the years, going back to, I think, my one of my very first ones was Battlefield 2142. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I played in a couple like you know TWL ladders uh, with a couple clans and stuff like that. So this is all pre esports era we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of running gun. You know, people setting up their own servers. Uh, it, it was a blast. Yeah, and moved on to Call of Duty uh, for a little while. So I played quite a few of those. I haven't been been playing as many of those recently, uh, to be honest. But uh, see. I played some some Rocket League with with my son. I know he's really into that game right now, so uh, we team up and do a little bit of that here and there. Yeah, I love Rocket League. Uh, nobody ever talks about, about Battlefield twenty one forty two. That was the first game I ever tried to like join a clan and like really go all out. Like I'm I'm really going to get into this game, and uh, it of course died down very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, those those Battlefield games are are pretty great. Uh, so so none of the new consoles for you yet or anything like that? No, I don't have any of the new consoles yet. Yeah, we're probably going to have some on hand before too long. We're in the process of like working up our uh, developer agreements and getting dev kits and things for the yeah. game. So um, we'll have some access to some. I, I would say the, the other main one that I always go back to right now uh, is the MMO uh, Guild Wars 2. Oh, yeah. Yep, uh, I've been playing Guild Wars since the first one came out. So uh, don't get to play too often, but I still have an active account. I have on there probably once or twice a month. Yeah, it's it's hard these days because I mean, how do you how do you really keep up with it and then run your own studio? I know a little bit about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in the middle actually of a series on the podcast when I'm not doing interviews. Uh, we we're going through all the major consoles and what the process is actually like for. Uh, you know, like you said, getting into those developer agreements, getting that hardware to test with. And it's so it's funny you're you're in that process now because this is a, a new thing for you. You guys don't it sounds like you don't have an existing track record of like previous games and stuff. So nope. are you having nope. trouble with anybody yet uh, sort of establishing that you guys are serious? You got this thing and you're ready for some hardware. I, I'm happy to talk about that and uh, hopefully for anybody else out there that is, you know, kind of nearing the same point, I hope they can get something out of it. Uh, it's definitely a lengthy and, and complicated process, especially when you're talking about targeting multiple consoles yeah. uh, as opposed to just one. Now, luckily for me, that's that's not my day-to-day responsibility. Joe, uh, our CEO, has done an amazing job kind of um, – 
filling out a lot. You know, there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of uh, NDAs. And, you know, so, so be ready for that. Um, yeah. You're not just going to kind of sign up for an account and they're going to say, hey, here's a dev kit, um, which would be great. But that's you know not quite how it works. And, and I think most indie devs going into it, I think, are you know, aware that it's not going to be easy, mm-hmm. but it can take some time. I think that's what most need to be prepared for, that, that it does take sometimes a certain amount of time, longer than you might expect. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times that can be some back and forth. Um, I, so I'll, I guess I could speak specifically on the Xbox right now. That's the one we're, we're furthest along with. Um, I, I will say we haven't had any specific trouble. Uh, I do want to commend uh, Xbox. Uh, and, and their team for being proactive in letting us know what we needed to do with the game to kind of meet their expectations for uh, approval. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we, we've gotten signed up and we did kind of a first round submission on the alpha. Just, you know, we were like, we, we better get approved. It was more like, okay, let's, let's see where we're at. Um, and I think that worked out well because they gave us some, some great feedback and maybe that's something that uh, some other indie devs can can take from that. That you know your game does not necessarily have to be 100% perfect before you start that process and and even submit. Um, you know I I don't know I can't speak to everybody else's experience, but I can speak on ours that doing that really helped us fill in our game plan for what we needed to achieve for beta to get that approval for Xbox rather than just kind of sitting out in the wind, kind of thinking, okay, what do we need to do to get on these consoles? Uh, Submit it, get the feedback, and then we know where to go from there. Yeah. I've done episodes now on Nintendo and Microsoft, and then the Sony one is forthcoming, but Microsoft stood out right away as the one who, if you are not well, well on your way and your game is not, you know, fully cooked yet, uh, that is the one where you can, I think you'll need to, no, you don't even need to pay the fee before you want to do this. If you want to put your own Xbox in developer mode, you can do that and you can run some code on it or run, you know, whatever kind of program and you can actually see it and play it on the console. If that needs to guide your, your development for any reason, that's the one place you can do that. Everyone else, you need special hardware. Yeah. That, I think that's one of the reasons that we decided to focus on Xbox early. So we actually um, already have our Xbox ready to go. So as soon as we get approval, we're ready to download the dev kit. Um, so yeah, I, I would you know recommend you get your hand on the Xbox one. I, I think that one is uh, set up pretty well right now. Uh, we're a little earlier with the other ones, so I can't really comment yeah. uh, with any you know kind of confidence. But um, those those ones have been a pretty good amount of paperwork. I know the Nintendo had a, a lot of stuff we had to sign. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got an agreement. Everybody, uh, a big takeaway from what we've sort of researched for the show is if you if you want to get serious and you want to get into conversations with these guys, you have to have your business paperwork ready to go. You can't go when it's publishing time. We'll start an LLC or whatever. You need to get that in in gear and get that. in. And it's not that hard to do, really. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for big teams. There's, there's a little more to it, but if you're a small outfit and you just want to do a basic LLC, something like that, it does not take a ton of time or money or anything like that. It's pretty doable. I would definitely plus one to, to that advice. Uh, I know for us, we didn't really have to think about that because when we started tree, that was the, the immediate first thing that we did, uh, just being a business owner. So, uh, definitely recommend making sure you have all your business paperwork uh, in order early. 
So, yeah, great advice there. Yeah, and and I it looked to me like you do some uh, some of your other work is focused on like artificial intelligence and things like that. I mean, that's gonna be fun, right? Yeah, yeah, I can talk about that a little bit if you want to pivot a little bit here from the game. So when we started Tree, we we wanted to kind of, we wanted to create. Joe and I wanted to create technology. That was the driver for us to start Tree. Um, Build technology that can help people. um, Try to build open source technology that we can put out there for the world to have, right? Mm -hmm. And um, we really had that focus in mind from the ground up. And it was really cool to start looking at things like artificial intelligence and machine learning to accomplish some of that. Now, that being said, we were pretty much a startup company, no funding, no investors. We, we started this on a shoestring budget, mm-hmm. right? And so what we did is we just got, got started creating. Um, I would basically do side work, uh, do web development on the side just from clients that I still had and then start building proof of concept after proof of concept of just different ideas that Jill and I have been thinking about. So uh, we do this thing here at, at Tree. We basically have these little divergent thinking sessions where we're basically just, you know, spitballing ideas at the wall. And then, you know, it's basically my job to now go and make that something that we can actually test, you know, build some kind of prototype around this idea. And as a creator, I mean, the last three years has been some of the most fulfilling of, of my entire life, I, I have to say. Yeah. And uh, for, for anybody out there that's, that's thought about, you know, starting a business, uh, it's definitely worth it if you find something that is your passion. It's, it's definitely worth the effort and, um, you know, the, the speed bumps, the people that might tell you you're not going to be able to do whatever it is that you're, you're thinking about doing. There's going to be all those different things. But, it, you know, if you can get past that, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, my work as a contractor, I can I can also agree that trying to whether you're whether it's yourself or you're teaming up with somebody, but trying to create something new from scratch to solve a problem is I can't think of anything more satisfying you could do with your career. I mean, especially with uh, focus and, and skill sets like ours, I don't think it gets any better than that. For sure. Yep. Time's flying here. Before we uh, sort of wrap things up, I, I want to hear where people can go to check out the game, uh, where they can expect the game in the near future, and uh, anything else you want to plug. Yeah, sure. Appreciate that. So you can definitely check out the game on Steam. You can do a quick search for Ultimate Disc Golf. You can also check out, we got a new website that is up. Uh, it's still a little bit in work getting polished, but the website is ultimatediscgolfgame.com. As, as far as our company tree, you know, we definitely invite anybody that's interested in any of these emerging technologies. Uh, we're building all kinds of cool stuff, and we, we do a lot of streams and videos and everything that we're building. You can pretty much go to any social media website and do a search for tree industries, and, and we'll pop up. So appreciate anybody that uh, gets a chance to follow and subscribe to our channels. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I would encourage people to go check that out. Wish you luck with Ultimate Disc Golf, and I, I can't wait to play it because we, we need more compelling disc golf gameplay for sure so it may as well be you right yeah definitely um i guess the last thing i wanted to add about the game you know we're uh, if we can here real quick i know we were talking about vr um that another disc golf game that's going to be doing vr i did want to let you know um that we're going to be supporting vr in ultimate disc golf as well eventually nice love that that'll yeah, be great so basically it'll 
switch out the uh, the custom characters. When you switch to VR mode, it'll switch it in with like a, a VR character with the hand tracking and then more like the traditional teleport uh, where you can, uh, you know, stick the pointer out there and then teleport around the course. Okay, perfect. Well, then uh, yep. you guys keep up the good work and uh, I look forward to checking in with you again and uh, hopefully to celebrate, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you again for the time. It was, it was definitely great being with you today and appreciate you and your audience. All right. Thank you again to our guests for the evening. If you enjoyed the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love to have you subscribe anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. I don't mind where. If you happen to be on the Apple side of it, go ahead and drop a rating and a review. Helps us get the word out. Won't cost you anything but a moment of your time. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We are all over social media and Discord. You can find the CodeWritePlay Discord if you search CodeWritePlay for the word Discord. That link will come up. We are at GameDevPod on Twitter, at CodeWritePlay on Twitter, and I, Todd Mitchell, am at MechaToddZilla with one D and two L's. Love hearing from you guys. I hear from you guys about this stuff all week. It's all I've ever wanted. I enjoy that so much. So keep that up. Support our sponsors. Check out our guests. And I will be back very soon with more of this fun stuff. So uh, take care. Keep working hard. Thanks, everybody. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me. (laughs) 